Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Ears International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. How's everybody doing? Are you guys excited? Uh, I feel like I'm really excited. I Apostle Tanya had talked to Gabe and I, and I know he's not physically up here with me, but... Um, He's sent me into tonight, and we're like two minds with, you know how you like you tag team? We're like, hey, you do this, I got this. And so he has tag teamed with, we've tag teamed all week long, even though I might be the mouthpiece. Definitely does not mean he's not up here. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to just start tonight, actually, if it's okay, um, I wanted to start by just sharing a little bit of my personal journey and why this is a big deal to me and why like it matters Um, because we all know, right, that this weekend we are celebrating Shavuot or what a lot of us probably grew up hearing is Pentecost. And so that anniversary is essentially like Saturday and Sunday. And, uh, and so Apostle Tanya had asked uh, for Gabe and I to teach on tonight. Tonight is our normal, right? We have our four weeks where each week is something different. And tonight is our teaching night. And it happened to fall on Shavuot. And so she just felt like we just need to teach then on, on this feast, on this holiday. Um, and it's funny, this actually isn't the first time that Gabe and I have taught on Shavuot, but it feels like the first time, <laughs> just because we're in a totally different place than we were two years ago. So uh, anyway, <clears throat> I was really excited when she asked, which sounds kind of funny because I'm equally nervous right now to release, but when she asked me, Um, I just, the reason I get excited is because, and I wanted to just share a little bit of my personal testimony, if that's okay. But I, I grew up in church and, um, I grew up learning like not really a whole lot about what I knew then as the Old Testament. Um, what we have learned is the Torah that was given Um, the loving instructions of a father, we didn't really um, talk about it a lot. And I, about five or six years ago, I started um, basically waking up out of religion and waking up out of what I always had known that there was more, Um, that there's, that, just the hypocrisy that I was in, that, that, that wasn't, um, that didn't, it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be what I knew, uh, that there was more to him. There was more to even church. Um, that church wasn't just like, like plug in on Friday night and then don't talk to each other all week, but that there was like, he was just beginning to awaken me And it literally, I mean, I look back at that time and it was like I met him for the first time. I mean, I I had grown up in church. It wasn't like I didn't have a relationship with Yahweh, Um, but there was something that he was doing that was like, it was like I was coming alive. And what I came alive to, but even growing up, uh, really was the Torah. There is something about it that I have always just hungered 
I mean, I can remember like being, being a teenager and reading about like reading about David or reading about Moshe or read like that my hunger was for uh, the history of like the stories, but I didn't really know how, where to like put that. It was just because the culture I grew up with is it was detached. Like they were two separate things, right? You have like all these stories in the Old Testament, right? That are like not really, they don't really matter or they're not really applicable. And then you have the New Testament and man, Paul, that's what matters. <laughs> or like, I mean, really, that's, that's the culture I, I grew up in with where the New Testament and all the letters, that that is what mattered. And so um, when I became to know that Yahweh was good and Yeshua was good and he wasn't judgmental or mean, um, I couldn't even read the New Testament for, I mean, no joke, you guys, until probably two months ago. <laughs> like it just, I couldn't, I couldn't hear from Paul because all I heard was judgment, you're wrong, get it together, behave, you're doing this and this and this. And uh, so my like bread and butter has always been the Torah. And, um, and I just, I, I love it. And now that, that Yahweh is bringing such a fullness to our family, it's like, it's starting to make sense in my heart of why it's always been so significant. That's not to say that, you know, the renewed covenant or the, what we know, what we have called the New Testament isn't important. And I have had breakthrough, praise the Lord, to be able to read it without feeling judged. Um, but <laughs> but the, the Torah just holds like a very deep and personal um, place in my heart. So, <clears throat> is everyone all right? Doing good? <laughs> uh, so tonight, what I thought, <clears throat> what we felt like would be helpful is just to kind of break some things down that we've been talking about in what I did describe as like the YouTube version or simply because I know the kind of revelations that Apostle Tanya is bringing that I'm not <laughs> like bringing those. But at the same time, it is also necessary to make sure that we even know like what is the like Pasach, what do you mean? Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Oh, I think we spelled it wrong. Well, when you get these. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we spelled it wrong, Gabriel, yes. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. I'm sure I did, I'm a horrible speller. Um, so anyway, we, I just, uh, it was on my heart to just kind of break some things down to really help if we don't have a grid already for the like big events of, of the Torah, then it, it, sometimes it can be hard to hear from Apostle Tanya, not that it's hard to hear from her, but that, that we may not know where to put things. Like it's powerful, we feel it, like the revelation is there, but it's like, I just, I still am not quite getting, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> And so, so I thought we could just kind of um, take a step back and just do kind of like an overview. Does that sound okay? Gabriel, I think we're ready to hand these out. So one of them <clears throat> is what we've been 
looking at for months now. Uh, Apostle Tanya repeatedly uh, has to write this on the board and Gabe, this is what I mean by like our, the way we work together is he had already just gra- uh, drafted a, just an image of what we've been putting on the board with the menorah and the seven feasts. Um, right, like when you guys get this, it's not gonna be anything you don't already know. Yeah, I'm hoping that it'll just help, like, and then you guys can keep it and have it as a resource, and um, that's kind of how we roll. We're like resource people. (laughs) Um, But anyway, this just lines out the seven feasts. So when she's talked about that there are the first four that have been fulfilled, and that there's three fall festivals or fall feasts that have not been fulfilled yet. That's what we're gonna talk about tonight. And what are those and how are they fulfilled and why does it matter? I think, do you want to hand those ones out? (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) You get to hand, oh, well, Gabe's already done. Never mind, he he can do it. Thank you, Judah. Okay, so the reason I'm kind of taking us a step back, so Shavuot, obviously, we know, is when the Torah was given to Moshe at Mount Sinai. But the Shavuot is directly tied to Pasach, um, which we've talked about. Eric released on Pasach. That's not new. That's Easter, right? That's Passover, Um, But I want to just kind of break it down because those two events are directly linked together. And um, so we're just going to start kind of from the beginning. So Shavuot will have some framework of how they fit. Is that making sense? Uh, So Passover, right? Okay. We know Passover or Passock. Passock is the word is the Hebrew word for Passover. That's why in this family we are getting used to and accustomed to using our Hebrew language to identify things because that's what he spoke. Um, and that is his language. <laughs> and so refer to your corresponding events page where we misspelled Passock at the top. <laughs> Um, Okay, so Passover is when literally the spirit of death passed over your house. Does everyone know what I say, what that means when I say that? All you kids, everybody knows that that was the 10th plague, right? (laughs) It was the 10th plague, and that is the ultimate plague where all the firstborns And it didn't matter age, it didn't matter um, animals or human, the firstborn, whatever broke through the womb first, as the word puts it, that 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 was killed if you did not have the blood of a pure lamb on your doorpost. That that really happened, that wasn't like, that that was an event, right? Where, I mean, Yahweh sent down a spirit of death into Egypt And that is what ultimately finally allowed Pharaoh's heart to soften enough to let the Hebrew people leave. Right? That happened 
in the year 2448. So earth, mankind, going all the way back, starting with Adam, Adam year one, so 2,500 years later is when that happened. <clears throat> and I, we put scripture references on here because just so you have them. So literally, uh, spirit of death passes over your house in the middle of the night. There's a cry from Egypt where everyone starts discovering that their firstborns are dead. So they, uh, and the Egyptians start basically waking up the Hebrews of like, okay, you better go, run. <laughs> like it's time to go. You're allowed to leave. Get out of here while you have the chance before Pharaoh changes his mind. And that's why their bread literally didn't have time to rise. So they had to pack, I mean, in the scripture, we can go there if you want that it, I mean, he says, actually, I'll just read it to you real fast. In Exodus 12, that's the main story. Exodus chapter 12 is the main story of what we, why we celebrate Passock originally the first time. Um, so Exodus 12, verse 33, <clears throat> I just think it's cool. This is not like, this is a different version, but the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. So they're literally saying, we're going to die if you don't get out of here. <laughs> it's the middle of the night. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls. So they literally had their bowls and their, their dough bound up in cloaks on their shoulders and they essentially ran out and they plundered Egypt, right? They took all the silver, the gold. Egyptians joined them. It wasn't even just the Hebrew people um, that there were many Egyptians and other people from other nations that ran with them, which is powerful when you think about everything that Apostle Tanya releases about the two houses and that it's not just a bloodline, like it's not a bloodline issue. Like literally Egyptians went with them. Yahweh talks about uh, like when he gives the laws, he talks about with the, that you have the sojourner among you, you have the, the visitor among you, you have slaves among you, all of you need to be circumcised. Like the rules applied to the Egyptians too, not just the Hebrews, which that's totally a tangent, but that is something that always ministers to my heart. So anyway, they tell them to get out of here. That is where we get the feast of unleavened bread because they're running out of Egypt and they didn't have time to let their bread rise. So then they, and that lasts for a week, right? The feast of unleavened bread lasts for a week after the, the spirit of death passes over. Then Yeshua, uh, Yahweh tells them, when you get to the land that I'm giving you, I, uh, a week after Passover, you're going to give me your first fruit. <clears throat> and he says that that first fruit is one sheaf of their, um, I'm st I have researched and researched, and I'm not really sure if it's barley or wheat, but it's their first fruit of their grain harvest, essentially. And they said, and he told them, you're going to have a, a, offering a wave offering of the first fruit from your land does everyone know what that means when i say first fruit 
We think so? Okay, so I'm just gonna explain it anyway. A first fruit is you have a whole, like you've planted, right? You plant in the, I mean, the uh, Passover is in like March. And so they've already been planting grain months before. And you start having that grain come up in the very first of what you gather. So we should have had pictures, Gabriel. We talked about having pictures and I did last time and it's helpful. But anyway, basically you can picture a whole field and that's starting to, starting to come up, right? It's starting to grow. They're starting to have wheat. And so the very first of what you gather, you're gonna do one sheaf. And they uh, presented it to Yahweh as a wave offering. I'm not actually gonna wave this around because I'm worried it's gonna like break. <laughs> I'm gonna break it. <laughs> but literally like a wave offering before him of, you redeemed me, you saved me, you gave me a land, and this is the first fruit of that land. So that's, so Yahweh said, when you get to where I'm sending you, this is what you're gonna do. That's where the first fruits um, first started. Is that making sense? So that one, and Apostle Tanya may bring more clarity, but that one I couldn't find like, so the Feast of Unleavened Bread is obviously like they had to run so they couldn't let their bread rise. I couldn't find where like the first fruits, if there was, if it started anywhere other than him just telling them that that's what they were going to do. It might be where they first got um, manna, when the manna first started to fall to commemorate that. I think the timelines might be close, but I'm not sure on that part. So that's why we marked the one in Leviticus because that's just when he told them to start doing that. So anyway, okay, they rush out of Egypt. Is everyone with me? You rush out of Egypt and it takes them seven weeks to get to Mount Sinai. <clears throat> and at Mount Sinai is when, uh, is when they literally received the Torah from Yahweh, which um, this part I'm, I'm really excited to read. Let's go there, Exodus 19. Okay, so picture, you just ran from Egypt. And remember, up until this point, Yahweh was just like talked about. It wasn't like they had had, they had things established. They didn't have a temple. They didn't have routines. They didn't have rituals. I mean, at this point, literally you went from, from Israel who had the 12 tribes. Those 12 tribes were in Egypt and they were just living the slave life. Like it wasn't like there was a, there was no, I mean, they knew Yahweh, but it wasn't, it was just something. I mean, they talked about like, yeah, well, Abraham, like he promised Abraham that he's a chosen people and that he's going to bless his people and number them more than the stars. Well, we're definitely numbered, but that's about it. Like that's where the promise was at, was with, was with Abraham. And so this Obviously, in the redemption process from Egypt, Yahweh begins to promise them again of you are my people, but their heart had gotten so hard from slavery that it's not like they really heard that. <clears throat> so they, so picture like they just left Egypt, who is where it's full of, I mean, worshiping all kinds of things <laughs> and all like, like, Anyway, so let's start. Um, let me get the exact scriptures so I don't just go 
go on and on. We're going to start at four. Okay, so they've been freed from Egypt. They get to Mount Sinai, and this is Yahweh speaking to Moshe. And I say Moshe because that's how you say his name in Hebrew, and we're learning that so many names in our English versions actually are like people's like, oh, we're just going to call them this because I like this name (laughs) versus like their actual name, which this is totally a tangent. But have you guys ever met someone and like called them the wrong name? Or... (laughs) called someone the wrong name for like weeks and then you find out like oh my god their name is Karen I've been calling her Sally this whole time and how embarrassing that is has that ever happened to anyone yes it's embarrassing and it's horrible and it's disrespectful right like if my name's Ellen I don't care if you're from Asia and you don't know how to pronounce it like that's my name so you right like if you meet someone that's not from here or they have a name that's like hard to say you work at it right you don't ever say well I don't have J's in my language so I'm gonna use a Y for your name and I'm gonna call you something totally else right would you ever tell someone that (laughs) no you would not Zeke so in this family we honor your name (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) another tangent, but here we go. Okay, Yahweh's speaking to the Israelites, at, or he's speaking to Moshe. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice, keep my commandment, then you will be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So that's what Moshe's, or that's what Yahweh's telling Moshe. Like this is, we got to Mount Sinai, I delivered you, now I want you to myself. Right? Like I redeemed you from a place so that we, so that I, because I, I want you to me. So he's like, To me, this is Yahweh like pouring out his heart of like, let me, you're going to be mine. You're going to be holy. You're going to be set apart. Like you belong to me. I've redeemed you. Like you're, you're it. You're the bee's knees. (laughs) So Moshe came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that Yahweh had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that uh, Adonai has spoken, we will do. And Moshe reported the words of the people to Yahweh. And Yahweh said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and and may also believe you forever. So at Mount Sinai, you have like an exchange right? He pulls you out of Egypt. He saves you, redeems you, and then says, now I want you to be mine. And then we have to respond. (laughs) They respond, yes, we want to be yours. So then skip down. Hold on. Let me see where I'm at. Skip down to verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunder. 
So that, well, in the verses in between, there was just a process of consecration and like getting clean because Yahweh wants you. So there's, there is a process that we endure to allow ourselves to become fully his. And on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet, trumpet blast so that all the people on the camp trembled. When Moshe brought the people out of the camp to meet Yahweh, they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because Yahweh had descended on it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moshe spoke and Yahweh answered him in thunder. Could you imagine? Oh my God. <laughs> the Yahweh came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and Yahweh called Moshe up the mountain and Moshe went up. So <laughs> you have, I redeemed you and now I am real to you. <laughs> they have this crazy corporate encounter with like, no joke, lightning and thunderbolts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he calls Moshe up. So Moshe goes up. That's when he receives the Torah. That's when Yahweh literally lines out. And the Torah in the simplest form is loving instructions of a father. We've heard that before. And it's, it's also like, I think of the Torah as, okay, so if we look at the dates, right? It's 2,500 years. It's not like they started out with this. They've had 2,500 years of basically meandering around, like unsure. There's not a lot of stability. There's not a lot of like routine. They kind of end up in Egypt because that's how they needed rescuing. Like it just is like up and down, right? And so when the Torah was given, it was an answer to a heart's cry for how do I do this? How do I like, how do I stay yours? How do I belong to you? How, like, how do I do life? What do you, how, just the, um, the toiling in their heart to be unsettled because they're supposed to be a people, a set apart nation, right? If we go back to what Yahweh promised Abraham of you are mine, I'm gonna multiply you on the earth. Well, that's awesome, but like, what is that? We're multiplied. Like, okay, what now? And so the being that there were so many, there were so many generations, the Torah was like, it was a promise. It was, it was like, um, it was so a covenant. If we think about that in our terms, it's a marriage, right? Where you become one. And so they're finally at a place where there's vows exchanged. I mean, that's what we read in 19 where Yahweh says, I want you to be mine and all mine and only mine. And they're just right. How many men in here have gotten down on one knee and said, I want you to be mine, right? <laughs> Yahweh's literally on a knee. He rescued them from Egypt, gets on his knees and says, I want you and only you and all of you. And they respond, yes, Lord, that's what we want. <laughs> and then he responds with this crazy wedding ceremony of lightning and thunderbolts. <laughs> I 
you imagine today? Like, now that would be a wedding. <laughs> but that covenant was cut. They consecrated. Um, let me look back. I want to say they even, <clears throat> I mean, we know that part of the consecration was circumcision. I don't know that they did it right here, but that's part of being consecrated, that there's no hindrance, there's no layers in between, that they're fully one. And so, so that, was, that was an answer to prayer. Today, a lot of times when we, or if you grew up in church, the law is all judgment and hell and fire, right? But if we think about it from the perspective of literally 2,500 years of wandering the earth, feeling aimless, and all of a sudden you have Yahweh betrothing to you that this is who I am, and this is how you stay close to me. And it's not like, I mean, gosh, probably 90% of the Torah is literally, this is how you rule in the land I'm going to give you. Like, I'm giving you a land. I'm establishing you. They, weren't, they were just sojourners at that point. Like, have you ever in your life, think about the times when you like, <laughs> there was a time when Gabe and I were early married and uh, I was pregnant with Tassos and we were like in between places to live. And we, we like basically slept in a girlfriend of mine, like her apartment that she wasn't in. And it was horrible. <laughs> and I just felt like homeless. Like, what are we doing? I'm going to have a baby. Like, what? <laughs> where are we going to be? Um, and anyway, so have you ever had those experiences where you're like homeless and unsure, no direction? What am I doing? <laughs> well, Yahweh was literally bringing them in. I want to be yours and I'm going to make it work. Like, I'm going to give you the tools to be able to stay close, to be able to have a covenant, to be able to live life, to be successful, right? Isn't that like every good, I mean, husband, every good father, I'm going to give you the tools and the resources and the environment to be successful and to stay successful because I care about you. I'm not after what you can do for me. I literally am providing everything so that you can like thrive. That is what the Torah is. I mean, it's all about this is how you stay close. This is how you keep your mind right. This is how you stay in alignment. This is how you, you just honor me so that I can keep you safe. It's not like you better, you know, rules and regulations otherwise. No, it was literally like, I want you. And this is how we can, it's just like vows in a marriage, right? Like if you... <laughs> I mean, if you exchange vows, those vows don't normally include, I don't care if you sleep with other people, <laughs> right? We usually care. <laughs> I don't care if you come home or not. <laughs> like, usually it's, I want you and all of you and only you, and I don't want you with anybody else, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's what he, so when, when Moshe went back up the mountain after that exchange happened, there was the exchange. He goes back up, and that's when the Torah, when, when Yahweh literally sits him down and starts 40 days, 40 nights. That's when the people build the golden calf. They're already cheating on him. 
He breaks the Ten Commandments, goes back up, gets Ten New Commandments, and not just the Ten Commandments. We just know that there's actually 613, I think. Like it's a whole, like it's all the Torah. It's all of the, the instructions. It's the whole manual. Um, we just are the most familiar with the first ten because in church we compartmentalize and it only ma- the, old, the first ten are the only ones that matter, right? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I feel like we should have like do 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 anytime you drink. Okay, so Shavuot is that Mount Sinai. What I just described with the mountaintop experience, the thunder, the wedding ceremony with Yahweh, that is what Shavuot is originally. That's the first time. Now we are going to talk about why we keep saying that things are fulfilled. Does anyone have any questions about basically this left half? Zeke, do you have a question? The Ten Commandments are just the first, like, 10 of his instructions. Yeah, so there's just a component. Right, the whole thing. Yes. Right, and it's misleading because he came down with the like two tablets. So we think like, oh, that's all he got. But I mean, if you read through, which I encourage all of us to do that, I mean, read even just reading Leviticus, like those are the laws. Those are all the instructions that he received at Mount Sinai. Yes, Taylor. Yes, she just asked the Hebrews fled but took other people. Did you have more to that question or was that it? Yes. So she asked, did they go to Mount Sinai? When the Egyptians fled with them and other people, uh, they all went with them and they became part of their culture and their community. And so Yahweh talks about like in in the, um, when he talks about circumcision or when he talks about the, um, the different um, offerings to him, he, he specifically says, like, the sojourner among you, or the, um, he has other phrases of how to refer, but anyone like the outsiders that are still with you, that this applies to them too. <clears throat> or slaves, like if you have a slave, then this applies to them too. So yeah, they went with them, so they were at Mount Sinai. I mean, they joined them in the wilderness, and then they joined them I mean, I would imagine they just kept going with them. It never says that they like left. Does anyone else have any other questions about that? Yeah, Regina. I've heard different things, but in a sense, yes. Uh, Sorry, she just asked the Torah, the first five books of, of our Bible is the Torah and were those all written by Moshe? And I, I don't actually know. I've heard that no, that there's, they don't actually really know who wrote them. Um, but as far as like he was the one to receive the Torah and then communicate that to the, the Hebrew people. And so who actually like wrote it down, I have learned before that we don't really know who did
Yeah. Uh, she just asked, uh, is it safe to assume that when, like, Moshe was up on Mount Sinai that he got that download and it, that it came from him? And yes. So, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, the, the Genesis is more like the story to get there, right? So when he's in at Mount Sinai, it's all the, like, the laws and the ways to do life. Um, not that they're, like separate from one another, but he wouldn't have received, like, this is what happened with Adam. <laughs> like, they already knew that, right? Like, they already knew the story of Genesis. And so when he was up in Mount Sinai, he would re he received, like, all of the instructions. But to put it plainly, yes to your question. <laughs> yeah, Taylor. Uh, she asked if I know the first 10. I, um, honor your God above all other gods. Uh, I think that's the first one. Love your brother as yourself. Keep your covenant with your wife. Don't kill each other. They're pretty basic, like human <laughs> things to live by. Honor your father and mother. That's the only one that has a promise. Honor your father and mother and you'll live a long life. But... Exactly. If you want to be kind, you have to help people, not kill them. It's a very good point, Rena. <laughs> but I don't remember all of them, but they're like literally like, don't, yeah, don't kill each other. Just very basic, what we would consider basic human living. <clears throat> okay, are we good? Any other questions about that? Yes, Linda. The Ten Commandments, the very beginning. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, Exodus 20. You can find those first ten. <clears throat> um, okay, so basically what you have then is... Um, sorry, let me look at my notes so I don't get off. Uh, let me just go over a couple details then of Shavuot since that's really what we're talking about or that's what we're celebrating. So that's how, that's where Shavuot was established, right? It's directly tied to Pasach. That's why I couldn't really talk about Shavuot without talking about Pasach. Does that make sense? How it's like the journey out um, and that, that process. <clears throat> uh, Shavuot is literally means seven. So it's the seven weeks. That's where we get, so that you'll in, um, Certain translations of your Bible, you're, you'll hear the Feast of Weeks. That's what they're talking about is Shavuot. Because there was seven weeks. Yahweh said, so, and I'll get into like how they were able to keep track of when in the year that that was. But that means seven. Shavuot means seven. Um, <clears throat> the reason, have you guys heard the word Pentecost? Or they're a Pentecostal? That's a common term. Pentecost means 50 in Greek. And so uh, there's two different ways to count the getting to Shavuot. Uh, Yahweh says either count seven, and this is where it gets super intricate, and I know we'll learn and grow, but that um, count seven weeks from the first day of Passover or 50 days from 
uh, the Sabbath after, after Passover. So he just describes it in two different ways to count. So we get uh, Pentecost because of 50, because of the, new, the uh, new Testament was in Greek. So that's where that word came from. And I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more in a minute when I get to like the fulfilled part. <clears throat> okay, this is the part that I think is super exciting. So Feast of First Fruits, right? We talked about that. That's when they would wave. Yahweh said, when you get to the land that I'm giving you, I'm, you wave a sheaf, one sheaf of the first of your grain harvest. <clears throat> Count seven weeks. So the way he explains it is count seven weeks. And, um, okay, let me preface this. Uh, What I'm about to start talking about is how they would celebrate Shavuot or the way that they would keep track of the timing of the holiday. Um, So you have your grain harvest. These were people, right? He's establishing them in in a land and he wants to provide for his bride. So the food that comes out of the land that he gave to them, the first fruit, give it back to him to just keep that in your mind that this land came from him. And then he said, count seven weeks from that first uh, fruit harvest, and then you're going to have, <clears throat> you're going to have another um, feast. <clears throat> which is Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. And the way that they would celebrate or the way he directed them to honor the Feast of Weeks is by taking their first fruits or their grain, right? And um, actually making two loaves of bread. And they would have, <laughs> I was trying to fix it because I broke the bread. <clears throat> but basically, <laughs> They're both broken, so pretend these are whole. Uh, Take two loaves of bread and do a wave offering with two loaves of bread with the really, I mean, he lines out like the ingredients, really fine flour from the harvest of your grain. So Shavuot, they would have two loaves of bread and do a wave offering. That's what they would do every year to celebrate Shavuot is they would present from their harvest that and of course they would present other of their first fruits so that obviously it was a full community i mean they had plenty of harvest not just grain so like i think i have a list of them but like figs and honey and like they would present offerings from their first fruit um barley dates figs grapes olives pomegranate wheat that would like, they would present all of these things, the first of all that fruit. But with Shavuot, it was two loaves of bread and that they would wave it before him. Does, everyone, does that make sense? <clears throat> so <laughs> what I love about the comparison is, okay. Well, let me explain how it was fulfilled and then we'll talk about the comparison. All right, go back to your corresponding events. And we're gonna talk about how it was fulfilled, why we keep saying that things were fulfilled and then some were not. So after, after a year, right? Yes. After 1,200 years of doing this, right? They have feasts. They're, they're doing what Yahweh spoke in the land that he gave. 
they're working at it. There's a lot of issues and a lot of problems, a lot of temples being destroyed, right? Those 1,200 years is what I'm talking about. Those are the years of judges, kings. Those are the years of David. That's when we have the temple destroyed. They rebuild it. All of that happens in those 1,200 years. <clears throat> All of a sudden, in that year at the top, the uh, 3793, I had like two different dates for when Yeshua actually um, died and rose again. So that's estimated by three plus or minus <laughs> years. Okay, so Pasach is something that they were already doing, right? Passover, that's when they, the spirit of death, right? Goes over the doorpost. They put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. Yeshua becomes that perfect lamb on the actual time when they were already celebrating, they were already gathered for, for Passover, for Passock. They were already in the routine of honoring the sacrifice so that I don't die, literally, so I'm not killed in the middle of the night. Uh, they were already honoring that. And Yeshua died. Just, I mean, the dates are exact. Yeshua the, um, you guys know when we talk about the lamb, how they had to bring that lamb into their home on the 10th of Nisan. Yeshua rode into Jerusalem on the 10th of Nisan. I mean, it's, it is exact. He dies on the 14th. That's when they slaughtered their Passover lamb was the 14th. Um, it's so cool because it's like God is so, in, this is why I love it. He's so specific and so intricate that it like, it all matters. <laughs> um, do you want to add something? Sorry, I meant to say that <clears throat> anytime you want to add. Check, check. This is where I get excited. Um, I think it's cool because there's like, like just imagine you're one of the people that believe Yeshua is real. Mm. And so you're Hebrew and you're already celebrating and then all of a sudden this is all happening at the same exact time. And you're seeing the correlation like, oh my gosh, the blood of the lamb that we sacrificed way, way, way 1,200 years ago, and it's happening right now. Like I could, <laughs> I could totally, just putting myself back in that day, like, oh my God, what the heck? <laughs> I don't it's, know that they realized it in the moment, but I'm sure when he like rose, it's like, oh my God. Because it all lines up, which I think is just <laughs> super cool. It's very cool. The blood, the blood, the lamb, the lamb. Yes. Like everything. Very cool. <laughs> uh, we didn't put a verse on that because it's in all the Gospels. We know that, right? It's toward the end of all the Gospels. Um, this is what I think is so cool. I, <clears throat> Apostle Tanya helped me with a lot of this, and today we were talking about it. Um, okay, so, right, we have the original of Passover lamb, and they had to run so the bread wasn't leavened. What we, it, we hadn't, didn't have time to rise. What we have learned as that Yahweh has used that as um, taking the leaven out of our bread, meaning our pride, right? He's stripping us. Uh, does everyone know what I mean when I say that? We've talked about that puffed before. Up. Right, so you're not puffed up. Like that, the, that Yahweh had used the unleavened, the feast of unleavened bread as a way to refine us and to get, because he says, get all of it out of your house, all of the leaven out of your house. 
Well, the way that, that Yeshua fulfilled the feast of the unleavened bread is he went to hell to get the keys to death. Meaning the very sin that was held over you, the very thing that allowed you to be puffed up, the very thing that was going to kill you, he got the keys to it. So he literally fulfilled the feast of unleavened bread by getting the keys when he died. I just, I didn't know that. And I just think that's ridiculous. Um, And then he fulfilled the feast of first fruits by becoming the first fruit right? He became, so in, in Corinthians, it says that he became the first fruit of those who were asleep. So he wakes up and that means that he's the first. So we are the second to wake up, to, to come alive, to come to life. He, so Yeshua in, within himself fulfilled those three feasts. <clears throat> Isn't that exciting? Isn't that crazy to think about? Like that he, that something they had already been doing and then he fulfilled it to, <clears throat> to, well, I'll get into that. Okay, so Yeshua, right, do you have something to add? Um, no, just the, the corresponding like days. Yeah. Like, like actual days, like three days, died, got the keys, rose, three days, Yahweh rescues Israel, <laughs> dies, <laughs> rush out of Egypt, first fruits, you know, just think it's cool. Uh, so then Yeshua, we know, so Yeshua rises and over a 40 day period, he um, appears to disciples and he like shows up. Thank you. It's really getting warm in here. there's probably like a sheen on my forehead um anyway so yeshua walks with them for 40 days and he appears to them and he lets them right those are all the stories of feel the holes in my hands um he he preaches to them he meet he he uh cooks fish for them on the side of the sea everyone knows all the like those specific things that happened over that 40-day period on that 40th day, he ascends and he tells them. So this is in Acts 1, where it says that over 40 days, he was with them um, or appeared to them over that time period. So think about, remember, they're already in the habit of for seven weeks. This is counting the Omer. You guys remember how we counted the Omer, that that was an exciting thing because we're literally getting to Mount Sinai to finally have an answer to have the wedding. Like it's like a countdown to the best wedding of ever possible. And so we're counting down the days. Well, they're already in the habit of counting seven weeks or 50 days. So 40 days go by and he tells them now go to Jerusalem and wait because there is one coming that's greater, right? There's something coming that you, that you just need to wait on. So they were, they go and they just waited, but they were already in the habit of gathering for Shavuot. <clears throat> Let me just hit on one thing. When you guys have your, uh, the menorah, <clears throat> there were three high holy feasts. The first one is, is Passock, is Passover when the, with the doorpost. And now that we know with Yeshua, <clears throat> the the other high holy feast is Shavuot, 
Um, and then the last one is tabernacles, meaning the, what I mean when I say three high holy feasts is those are the three pilgrimages of the year. If you were Jewish, or if you were an Israelite, if you were Hebrew, those were the three feasts that you traveled to, to, to Jerusalem, to the temple, to be able to give your offerings. So they were already going. Like it wasn't, that was part of the culture is on the seventh week, right, for Shavuot. They were just there seven weeks ago celebrating Passock. And now here they are seven weeks later with their two loaves of bread to celebrate. Yes, Stephanie. Yes. Yep, because the word Shavuot means, week, uh, means seven, seven weeks. Yes, Taylor. Uh, it's the ones that are bolded. So it's the, the number one, number four, and number seven. They're the, the first one, the middle one, and the last one. <clears throat> you want to add? Um, so he tells them to go wait. This is when they have their upper room encounter right, where they're all gathered in one place with one mind in like accord, and Ruach HaKadosh falls. <clears throat> so we're going to go to Jeremiah 31. <laughs> this is my favorite part. Oh my God, he's so good, like so good. Okay. Oh, great. Oh, nope, it's the right one. Whew. And this is prophesied, remember, this is before it even okay. happened. Yeah, so this is Jeremiah prophesying over the house of Israel, over the Hebrews. So go to Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Are we ready? Behold, the days are, co- this, is, uh, this is Yahweh. Behold, the days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will make a new, a renewed covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when they took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares Yahweh. Meaning they kept cheating on him. They kept breaking the covenant, right? That's what, like, they kept serving other gods. They had horrible kings. We know, like, although, like, they kept falling away. And so again, he's like, all right, I'm going to propose and redeem them again. (laughs) Uh, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares Yahweh. I will put the law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all yadami, from the least of them to the greatest, declares Yahweh, for I will forgive them of their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. The reason that Yeshua fulfilled the law is so that Ruach could come and fulfill it in us. Meaning he wrote it on our heart. So now the Torah is not an external outside just rehearsing just this or just on paper or just an oral thing, but it's in me that we become the Torah, that it's written on us. 
So when that prophecy is what was fulfilled in Acts 2, when Ruach came and wrote it on their heart and they had a different language and there was smoke and there was fire and it was very much like the encounter at Mount Sinai, except it was in them. It wasn't something on a mountaintop experience outside of that they just saw, but it was inside that they became the Torah, that, it, that, they, that they became the temple. Yeshua made a way so that it could be filled, fulfilled so that I could become the very thing that I was rehearsing. That it's not just something that we talk about anymore, like teaching each other or this is who he is. This is what you tell your children. This is how you explain this. But literally that Yahweh is so hungry to know us so intimately that he made a way for it to be on the inside of us. So when we say that Yeshua fulfilled, it's that he made it in us versus something external. <laughs> and really quick, those who aren't familiar, with, I know we're using the term Ruach uh, HaKadosh. Uh, for those on live that maybe just turned, tuned in or those of you who, who aren't familiar with that term, that's the Holy Spirit. Yes, that is just the Hebrew word for that. <clears throat> so Yeshua... We have, um, we have learned, to, or Yeshua refers to himself as a door. So it's like he, it's the, it just, it's so powerful because it's the exact same thing of, I'm going to redeem you from Israel or from Egypt, right? Like if we think about the first time that we, that we celebrated Passock, that I'm going to redeem you from Egypt. And then Yeshua says, I am going to open the door to you. This is my proposal. Let me open the door so that you can have all of me. And you walk out seven weeks to then become the ultimate oneness. Like ultimate oneness. Not just I'm, <laughs> not just I'm your God and you're going to know me and I will give you a land. But literally we will become so one that it's on your heart. That it's written in you. <clears throat> Yeshua opens the door for us to choose then to walk through. <clears throat> and Ruach then is able to fall in that response, right? That they responded. So Yeshua says, go and wait. Just like if you think about Yahweh saying, I want all of you. And they had to respond. They had to choose to believe that it was real. Like they had to choose to believe that, that Yeshua was real and that this whole thing was real or to, that they acted upon what he was expressing to them. How much power is in our response? <laughs> like Ruach could not have fallen if they did not respond. If they just said, I don't know about that. Like I'm good, I'm good with just getting saved. I'm good with just the door. Like, I don't really need to walk through. I don't really need to like own a land. I'm just good not being a slave anymore. How many of us get stuck in like, yeah, it's awesome to just not be bound. So I'm good here forever. I don't need a covenant. I don't need to have it on my heart. I don't need to be the temple. I'm just gonna stay in salvation how easy it would be to just stay in the wilderness or to just stay 
like to watch Yeshua ascend and be like, dang, I believe in him and just, that's That's good. called being a bachelor. <laughs> I don't want to get married. I don't right. want a covenant. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm good. I'm okay. <laughs> and yet Yahweh is so hungry to have all of you to be able to fulfill, right? So Yeshua fulfills the law and then he fulfills it in you. He fulfills himself in you by becoming inside of you. Meaning like, okay, so let's break it down. Like being, when we say things like we, we heard from the Lord that we're spirit led, that we speak in tongues or that we uh, prophesy, that we dream dreams, that we are led to things. How did any of you get here? Right? How did a single person in this family get to this place? Well, that was a spirit inside of you right? We're not in the original covenant where you were biologically bloodline birthed there. You all got here, meaning you were led here, that that is inside of you, that, that, that it was tangible, that you no longer had to go to a place to encounter him. You no longer had to go to a temple, but that he was freely available to access that door any moment of any hour of any place at any time. There was no more ritual because he fulfilled it and made it accessible to, to anyone and everyone. But we then have to choose to respond to what we have access to. But how cool is that, that we have access through the door of Yeshua to then have the indwelling, like literally dwelling inside of us to then do something with that. Oh my God. So like, okay, uh, let me talk real fast about the, why these two things are significant. Did you have something to add before I move on? No, no, go ahead. You can move on. <clears throat> so both are salvation or rescue, right? Whether being redeemed out of Egypt as slaves or Yeshua saving your soul. That is a invitation. That is a, I rescued you. <laughs> that is a individual one sheaf decision. I am choosing as an individual to respond to that door. That is personal. You have to, even then, right? Like even the, even the Hebrew nation had to choose whether they wanted to leave Egypt. And some wanted to go back. That was, an in, that was a personal, you choose to decide. <laughs> to then, as you respond to that decision, you are able to cultivate a family where it is all the fullness, all the aspects, all the ingredients, where you actually have a meal. Even thinking about the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's flat, it's dry, there's like... It's, it's uh, refinement, it's intense, whereas Shavuot is the fullness of all that he is and all that he has, that you get to eat it all. You get to have the leaven, the gluten, you get to have the figs, you get to have the honey, you get to have all of it, not just the cracker. <laughs> and two loaves, two houses, house of Israel, house of Judah coming together. That to wave two loaves, when I say the house of Israel and the house of Judah, we as, as Gentiles or as a family, or we are the house of Israel. We are the ones that fell away and have come back. The house of Judah has never fallen away. They're just still asleep. 
They're asleep to the Messiah. They didn't wake up when Yeshua came. Had they woken up, we would not be part of the story. We're the second house, the house of Israel. So you wave those two loaves as two houses having the fullness of all that he is inside of you. Isn't that so cool? And they did that for 1,200 years, waved those things symbolically, not knowing till one day Ruach falls after Yeshua and writes it on their heart and becomes real, becomes the actual bread of life that you can live by. That's so awesome. It's covenant, right? Going from an individual decision. Yes, I want to be married. I, or yes, I'm going to walk through the door to a full covenant where it's fleshed out. There's oneness. It's family, right? It's the whole meal. Covenant brings family. It's, it's the, the, the promises as together. It's not just a individual, I'm gonna get saved, which is, the tra- which is the refinement that we go through. That refinement process of remember, like I'm good to just be saved. I'm good to be all by myself. I don't need to be mixed all up in those ingredients. <laughs> I don't need to be put in that furnace to get cooked. (laughs) I'm good by myself standing as my one chief. (laughs) Covenant brings family. It's that grinding, that, that process. But then as you respond to that process, Ruach falls. She would not be able to fall if we chose to just stay grain. If we chose to just be by ourselves forever, then it would, that would be it. But we didn't, we responded and we submit to that process. So Ruach is able to fall, meaning to fill you, to, to lead you, to bring you together. That is that grinding out that happens in this family. That's why it's so hard. Cause I wanna be a sheaf waving in the wind by myself. (laughs) But it's awesome and it tastes so much better to be bred than to try to eat a sheep. That is the comparison of, of just staying at salvation because then you become the bread of life. Us, not by yourself, not all alone, but as a family, one mind, one accord, like-mindedness. That's why all of this matters. That's why I'm so fired up about the Torah or the Old Testament, because it's like, this is our history. This is how we got here. So when people say now, like, yeah, I'm a Pentecostal, what they mean by that is that they just speak in tongues. Well, that's like, it's literally like picking out like, well, I'm just this part of all of like the history of our people. Like you can't have one without having it all. Meaning you're like, we're denying ourselves if we say that, that the Torah doesn't matter because it's who you are. You're the temple. Like, well, if we're gonna be the temple, if we're gonna be the bread of life, if we're gonna be the, like, be him on earth, 
well, it all, like, then I, ha- then I have to know what I am, which is why, why the law matters, why, like, it's so detailed and rich. I mean, it's a lot. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it's, it's the fullness that we are becoming so that then the reason why we have three <clears throat> fall festivals that have not been fulfilled really is beca- quick. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Really quick. Um, I just kind of want to circle circle it back around. We, we hear a lot and we've heard a lot growing up, those of you who have grown up in church and um, how Yeshua came to fulfill, fulfill the law. You know, we hear that a lot. Oh, he came to fulfill the law. And this kind of brings context to that law. Um, you see he fulfilled, he became each one of these things over yeah. here. And the law, the Torah, Ten Commandments, the however many commandments, she said, what, 600 or something like that? 600. The law. That's the law, the Torah, the covenant. He came to fulfill that thing, to write that on our hearts. We hear it a lot in the word, Yeshua's the way. He's the path. He's the gate. Mm -hmm. So he was the only way that could make way in our hearts Mm -hmm. so that we could have that covenant regularly all the time all the time that we don't have to do he came to fulfill that right because the only way you could access before was to slaughter a lamb yeah and to be in the bloodline so i just think that's just powerful i think that's really cool it kind of brings some context now to when we've heard our whole lives for some of us oh he came to fulfill the law like i now i understand and that was shavrot that was a feast that was a feast that he came and fulfilled that and then provided access for us to be to do it anywhere yeah through ruach and he was the door that allowed for that fulfillment of ruach in of the of the torah the temple in us otherwise we would still have to make a sacrifice for the sin right yeah because yahweh is holy he's righteous he wants a righteous people so the way that he provided access was by slaughtering something innocent so that you could access him, not to be mean and judge and horrible, but literally, I want you so bad, I'm going to kill innocent things so you can get to me. And it's not a new law, like a religious thing. It's a relationship. That's the thing that's important with this whole thing is, is this connection here, this access, is now, you're, now you have a relationship within that covenant rather than just, this is the book, this is the law. Yeah. That you can know me. That you can know, you can know, know me about me. Know me for yourself. Me. You can know about me. Yeah. And then he came to fulfill so that you can know me personally through access, through access through him to experience him through Ruach. Yeah. So <clears throat> the last three feasts are the fall feasts. And we'll get way more into those uh, this coming, like, September. But basically, you have each of the feasts are um, plotted out based on the harvests, right? So you have the first fruit, which was the first grain. And then the, this one has to do with, the, like, the end of that harvest. So the fullness of the harvest doing where you present the two loaves of bread. 
and then the the um, tabernacles is like the end of all the harvest season of everything that you've reaped from the land that he gave you. <clears throat> and there's a lot more in that, but just a couple things that the three at the end are very similar and they're all tied together. So right how we have like Passock, unleavened, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Shavuot, how they're kind of like a package deal kind of. It's the same thing with the three in, in the fall. And it, so the promise, the prophecy, right, that we are beginning to come alive to rehearse is that Yeshua will come again and that he will dwell among us. That is tabernacles. That's the promise. That is the prophecy that we are still waiting for that has not been fulfilled on earth. And that's what we see right here, events that have not yet been fulfilled. Um, and just to bring some familiarity Yom Teruah, that's Rosh Hashanah, okay? Yom Kippur is the day that we atone for our sins. That's the day that we are closest to God, closest to Yahweh. Out of all the days in the entire year, that day we are closest to him. That was also the day I want to say, if you go back into the word, that's the day that Moshe had connection like got those actual commandments like that day that's the day he was closest to Yahweh was Yom Kippur Yom Kippur um, and the Feast of Tabernacles that is Sukkot that was when we did Sukkahs last so year so Sukkahs is because they traveled through the wilderness and had to live in tents, tents. but the promise was I want to dwell among you correct that that came, so this festival comes from, I want to dwell with you. So like build a tent and rehearse that we're dwelling together. Well, that's the second coming that has not been fulfilled yet. Again, having to deal with Yeshua coming again. Is that making, I mean, I know that's super brief and probably too much information, <laughs> but that's why those fall felt fall festivals have not been fulfilled yet and there's something we're rehearsing. Yeah, Yvonne. Absolutely. She just said it seems like it's going back full circle to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and dwelling together and Yahweh literally walking among them. Absolutely. Hebrew. Like the original intent of yeah. a garden life together. Yes. A Stephanie. Hebrew mindset is Sorry. all secular. Hmm. It always, every year, it's, it's, that's why we have the Hebrew months. It's all, and he cycles you up. And so that's, so it's, everything is cycles and patterns. That's, that's just how he thinks. Yeah. Yeah. So the feast, so in the. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> she's just saying like in the Torah is it the those feasts are written and that's why we can't disregard the Torah right because it's a third of it has not been fulfilled yet and so if we're going to actually have that fulfilled where he comes back and literally dwells among us right we're gonna have to like rehearse that 
Because if they hadn't believed in Yeshua and he and watched him ascend and obeyed, if they didn't respond to that, that interaction of him saying, go wait for me, then Ruach would have never fallen. So it's the same thing now. If we're not rehearsing, if we're not figuring this out and making it real, then it's like on us, right? Just like, I mean, it's just like our response is so powerful. Our response to getting rescued from Egypt is so powerful. They could have literally said, I'm good with just not being a slave. And they would have not had a land, not had a covenant, not known it. I mean, it would have just stopped. The story would have just stopped. And that's all based on a response. So we have a response now. So, hold on. Uh, so <clears throat> there is a reason that it's written on our hearts. There's a reason that it's fulfilled in us so that we now can rehearse and have, actually, um, let me just look at a certain note real fast. <clears throat> But there, there's a reason why the timing of these things and why he, why Ruach came at the time he, at, at the time that she did. <clears throat> right, that it, that Torah was fulfilled in our hearts. Right, when Ruach, when Ruach fell, it was fulfilled in our hearts, so that we can rehearse the next feast, so that there can be a dwelling together. It's all like precept upon precept. It's all step by step. If we didn't have Ruach in our hearts and we were still back at, the, at being, having sacrifices all the time to atone for our sins, well, then we wouldn't be able to ever be one with him. Right? Yes. Correct, which is why it hasn't happened yet. Which is why, like Apostle Tanya has referred to us as like transitionaries, because we're in between. So you have the you have those first twenty five hundred, or really like thirty seven hundred years of the law or of that routine, and then you have the messianic age of Yeshua, where He's salvation, He saves. Well, that is going to come to an end, and there is another age coming of indwelling together. And that's what she has taught, or there's a belief that we're in between and that we are going to see. How exciting is that? That is mind-blowing. Like thinking about that there's actual, like I grew up literally like, you don't know the time or the day. He could come tomorrow, right? How many of us have heard that? <laughs> like, you never know. Good thing, Zeke. We don't have to untwist that in you. <laughs> but that there's an appointed time. Feast of booths. Like, literally, I'm going to dwell with you. Duh. <laughs> like, that makes sense now. Just like, I mean, Jeremiah prophesied. I'm going to write the Torah in their heart. Well, if he wrote it on tablets at one point, then it's probably on that anniversary that he's going to write it on our heart. And then he did. <laughs> did you have something to add? Oh, I was just going to kind of walk through the story. So, this is the story. Passover. Blood, blood over your doorposts. Unleavened bread. <laughs> Get the heck out of Egypt, quick. Don't worry about the bread. <laughs> First fruits. Okay. Shavuot. Pentecost. Or um, 
Mount Sinai, okay? So we've got Passover. Don't worry about the bread. <laughs> yes. Okay. Get the heck out of Egypt. Uh, get to Mount Sinai. Get to Mount Sinai. And this is Yom uh, Turah. So if you keep reading during that Mount Sinai, that's the Rosh Hashanah. That's where he says, now you've been liberated from Egypt and your, your year will start over now that you're free. Huh? That's that Passover. He said that your year starts over. <clears throat> that was, okay. we can talk about it later, but I'm pretty sure it's right here. That's what Rosh Hashanah is about. The year starts over, okay? He receives the Ten Commandments, then they're in the desert where they're dwelling, okay? That's the storyline. If you turn your little corresponding events, you can see it line up with the menorah. Oh, that was kind of cool. Is there any other questions? <laughs> yes, Taylor, go for it. What? You don't have one? All right. Well, I'm definitely excited about our fall feasts and learning about what that is. Like, how cool is that going to be? Because I don't, I mean, I know barely anything I mean, I know any, barely anything about this, but just like knowing that there's always so much more. And so bringing it back to we're in Shavuot. Shavuot is tomorrow and Sunday. That's um, where we are celebrating and commemorating the Torah being written on our heart. <clears throat> so we get to eat all the bread. <laughs> and that's just some like cultural things that's how they would celebrate right they would eat they would read the Torah they would like stay up all night you know which is so cool because then that's what they were doing in the upper room right they're like I mean we probably envision like this uh, like I, I always envision like this like holy time and it was probably just like this family you know, hanging out, eating, praying, like just fun family time. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Uh, you can go ahead and come up, Gubby. Oh, one more. Yeah. The sound and yeah. the fire. Yeah. I know. I know. You know, one really cool fun fact that I'll leave you with? Mount Sinai is the same place that Moshe had his burning bush experience. Like when Yahweh yeah. spoke to him with a burning bush, it was the same spot as when he met Yahweh. And I also learned that it's a very humble mountain. Like it's not like Mount Everest. <laughs> I mean, it's probably like Eldon. <laughs> Maybe even smaller. Like, like it's not it's like Mount this. Eldon. But the, but the Hebrew culture, it's like, that's who Yahweh is, right? He's like not, if it were me, it would definitely be Everest, right? Like, <laughs> I'm going to make this whole mountain shake. And he's like, Moses climbed for days. <laughs> I'm fine. Days, in the Hill. 40 days. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I'll sit down. Isn't that cool? I was listening downstairs. It was 
in and out, but I was able to hear some of it, which is super awesome. I mean, just even being able to visualize like the two loaves that they were instructed to like make with their harvest and bring is kind of, to me, I think of like the two loaves and the fish, right? Like that. And what happened with the loaves and the fish? It was, what happened? They had more than enough. Like they got their fill. I know sometimes like when, I, when it's my like time to go grocery shopping, I buy like the two pack of bread at Walmart or not at, or whatever at Sam's Club. And it lasts me a little while and I'm like, all right. The kids are like, mom, we're almost out of bread, you know. And they made their loaves of bread and they brought and ate and served 5,000 families not 5,000 people, it was 5,000 men which represented their families. And if they're anything like us, (laughs) that was probably a lot of people, right? So I just think that's really awesome because it was established. This is what we do. This is how we do it. The instructions were extremely clear. And Yahweh's provision was what kind of provision? It was an extravagant provision. Extravagant, like more than we could ever ask for. Not just more than we could need, but more than we could ask for. And so with that provision, we have an opportunity to sow a first fruit. They literally took their first fruits and then counted and the blessing was overwhelming throughout the weeks. So how cool is that, that we have an opportunity? This is the time of year where it is practically our first fruits. This is the, uh, the other day was, was, I've been learning and I may totally mispronounce it, but it's, uh, how do we say it? In my mind, I say Rosh Kadesh, okay? Which literally means the first. So like on Wednesday, when the newsletter came out, It was Savan 1. Like, that's what it means when you say that. It's like, happy April. Happy New Year. Happy New Month. We commemorate every single month because there is an opportunity for a shift. And practically where we are in this, the year, this month, we just left a month of transition into a month of extravagant blessing. And so if we can think about the blessings that have been laid out before us, How can we do anything but be in gratitude to Yahweh and how he has abundantly provided? They literally, like when you were talking about the wave offering, like I just envision the wave. But like, so I'm downstairs with the little ones and I'm sitting by the door and I feel a wave. I'm listening and I feel a wave of the air conditioning blowing through the building because it's probably the first time we've turned it on. Have you felt the wave? Do you feel the wave of the fresh air that just like when you walk outside and we get to partake in the blessing of waving it towards others? I mean, there is an element of ingratitude waving towards Yahweh, but it allows it to send to others. So that's what we're here tonight in this time of not only trading floor, that expectancy, 
not only of the offering of of the the extending the blessing but literally in that first fruit of what we have been blessed with to be able to sow that in and to with expectancy let that freshness go upon others so i just ask that right now you take a moment to prepare your trading floor your opportunity to trade with the heart that has been shared this amazing time to receive a little bit more of our history and then also i hope you've prepared like we talked about last week for that first fruit offering so get ready if you're not like i used to come i don't do my checkbook anymore <laughs> often but i used to come with my check already written like with anticipation and excitement to give so now i come with my i've already got my kingdom heirs text to give contact in my texting and i come with anticipation of not only that trading floor like many of us are trading right now but also that first fruit that wave offering we've waited and counted for for weeks literally weeks 50 days that's 7 weeks plus 1 and now we've seen that fruit and we get to bless and have gratitude and express it literally and practically. So Yahweh, we just thank you for these words that have spoken. We are so grateful that we can see that you are a God of patterns and that you have set forth as time has progressed this amazing way for us to see connections throughout And we just thank you for that because we can apply it applies to our yesterday it applies to our today and it applies to our tomorrow and so we just thank you for the ability to see with new eyes how we can apply these things and so with that we come humbly and we come with gratitude to present to you a first fruit offering and we just with expectation we look forward to seeing how you how you multiply that not how we multiply it we just bring our two loaves but you really literally and practically multiply it in our lives and we just thank you for that in the name of yeshua amen thank you gabby thank you gabe and ellen that was really good uh one of the things i was thinking about that is in line while you know while we're still giving um is that with these offerings i just find first fruits and i find giving in general just really um like i like to learn about it i like to understand it and something that was coming to my mind whenever you were speaking ellen is um they were asked to like reap the grain harvest after they you know had sown it and so in a sense like i'm trying to compare that to nowadays right because we may not sow crops and we may not reap wheat in it in and of itself but that was their provision that was their currency that was how they fed their families and how they fed for generations and so um they had to know what they were sowing in order to know what they wanted to reap and then there had to be a recognition of what was coming up from that harvest 
okay? So I think sometimes when we think of first fruits, we think of it in the sense of like a paycheck or we think of it in the sense of money and it absolutely is. And in that, it kind of calls us to know like what have we been sowing financially this whole time. We have a first fruit celebration every single month. So we have an entire month between giving to be able to recognize what is it that we are growing financially. It's, it's an intentional thing to recognize what are we sowing throughout this entire month? What do I expect to sow? in the next month what is it that he's wanting to give what is it that he's wanting us to harvest in the next time that i reap um, all of those things we can see beforehand so i felt like that was really interesting because in that um in that chapter in leviticus 23 when they're talking um he also asked them to he asked them to give of the harvest and so it says that they they didn't eat grain for 40 some days and so there was a sacrifice. There was something they, they had to go without for 40 some days before that harvest came. I mean, if you think about the timelines of all of that, there had to be such an intentionality before, um, like in their hearts and their minds, they had to know, they had to have some kind of inclination because even in that, in that same chapter, it talks about um, they had to have a lamb that was perfect for a year to then sacrifice along with the first fruits. So there's such preparation, there's such intentionality, there's such a knowing of what Yahweh wanted and what he expected and then what we would reap um, tied into that first fruit. And so I found that really interesting when you were speaking. Um, yeah, they had to keep, they had to know what they were sowing. They had to, there had to be a time of waiting in sacrifice and then there had to be a recognition of what came up when it did so that they knew what to offer as that first fruit. So today is first fruits. In another probably 30-ish eh, days, <laughs> there's going to be another first fruits offering. So I would encourage us that in this next 30 days, we have the ability to be so intentional moment by moment, day by day, to know what is it that I'm sowing into tomorrow? What is it that I'm sowing into over the next 30 days that he wants me to give in 30 days? And then there will be a recognition. I mean, I wonder how much like our mindsets would change or how much we would recognize if that was how we went into every single month thinking about, right? And so just wanted to, uh, to prompt us in that because I just feel like, um, hi, baby. <laughs> Hi. But anyways, yes, so Alive, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. We will see you next Friday. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomairesflag.org. Thank you.